0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've talked about the opioid epidemic a lot on this show. And sadly, it looks like we're going to keep talking about it because it just continues. In fact, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Last year was the deadliest year so far. Uh, 1,758 Halbertans died in 2021. That's about 30% more than just the year before. Think of that, a 30% increase um, in uh, the number of people dying of opioid overdoses in the province of Alberta. It's just an epidemic that continues unabated and we can't seem to get a handle on it. And, um, you know, the stories continue to come out that things are getting worse and we struggle to try and find a way to save lives. Joining us now to talk about the situation and what can be done and how bad it is, we have Dr. Monty Gosh, who is an addiction specialist and an assistant professor at the University of Alberta and the University of Calgary. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me here. You know, let me take a look at this situation. Just based on the numbers alone, it's obvious, right? I mean, things just continue to get worse, and we haven't even been able to slow things down.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's uh, the highest it's ever been. It's, it's more deaths and car accidents and homicides combined. Uh, we have more deaths because of the opioid poisoning crisis, more so than heart attacks. So it's a, it's a huge problem for our province.
0: Um, you know, last week we heard some really scary stories from people in homeless shelters, even rehab facilities, talking about people who are dying within these facilities. I mean, that's these drugs, they're everywhere, right?
1: Indeed, yeah. They're permeated through almost every part of society. We have people who are experiencing homelessness who are poisoning. Uh, We also have people who are living in in upscale neighborhoods. Uh, People who have professional jobs. It's it's everywhere.
0: Um, The province continuing to focus on rehab beds, and I don't want to be critical of that. I think that's fantastic. It's great. But, you know, as we've covered on the show here before many, many times, Doc, that's just one small part of the puzzle when it comes to treating this epidemic. In fact, you know, the the numbers tell us that that won't be effective for the majority of people, right? I mean, most of the people who are dealing with opioid addiction, uh, residential treatment, and those sorts of things doesn't work. That's not
1: necessarily true. It's a piece of the puzzle, as you had mentioned. So for sure, we need to have that as part of the broader spectrum of options for treating this patient. I think are these patients, one of the things that we need to focus on, of course, is harm reduction. I know, that yes. you, or again, um, having increased access to supervised consumption sites. Virtual surplus consumption services, um, other harm reduction activities such as naloxone kits and education are key aspects of dealing with this. But the policy that we need to have goes broader than just that. Uh, so for instance, we really need to focus on more treatment in terms of opiate agonist therapies. Um, so this includes medications such as methadone, uh, buprenorphine, which is also known as suboxone. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two medications are so crucial to maintaining patients uh, into recovery that uh, that without them, they'll likely relapse and have more risk of overdosing in the future. Um, there's other creative policies that are coming out right now, too. Uh, recovery does include suboxone and methadone treatment. I think that's a huge fundamental shift in the way that we've been managing things. Uh, traditionally, as the article kind of had pointed out, uh, is that uh, recovery... Um, was very much focused on abstinence, and, and that has definitely shifted now lately. Uh, recovery is more about not being on illicit drugs on the street, uh, but you can still be on opioid agonist treatment, which is some people call it re- opioid replacement therapy as well, because you are basically taking away one opioid, the illicit drugs from the streets, and putting them onto a different opioid altogether. Um, Patricia that was considered as part of harm reduction but that's moved more into treatment because like there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this is extremely and incredibly effective in keeping people off the illicit of stuff the stuff that's unpredictable the stuff that people can overdose off of
0: walk us through when we talk about using suboxone or using methadone i think a lot of people just uh, they have preconceived notions about what that means and how it fits into the whole spectrum of recovery just walk us through when you talk about that what is the plan I mean, how does that work in terms of trying to help somebody who's dealing with opioid addiction?
1: So, what happens with opioid addiction, and this is for any addictions for that matter is that uh, a certain part of the brain gets activated, so the war parts of the brain that gets hijacked um so for instance, we naturally have uh, food and sex usually stimulated. Um, and then it becomes sort of uh, an issue about survival. These parts of the brain are are there to make us survive. So food, if you don't have food, you won't survive. If you don't have sex, the the species won't keep procreating, going. Um, And so that's the part of the brain that these substances take over. uh, And the way to sort of quell that part of the brain is by keeping the substances going, but in a regulated manner. That doesn't cause euphoria and that's exactly what methadone and suboxone does is that it sort of takes over this part of the brain that's already been hijacked by the illicit drugs and replaces it and so you can have a more of a regulated system in place Uh, you can have uh you don't you know you can have control of cravings and withdrawal symptoms things that often drive people to use substances off the streets Um, So once you get that taken care of, people can then focus on other aspects of their life and other aspects of wellness, uh, which are crucial to taking care of addiction. I think where recovery especially comes into place is dealing with trauma because a lot of what happens and a lot of the reasons why people are using substances uh, is because of trauma, whether it's physical, sexual, emotional trauma in the past, uh, things that they keep reliving on a regular regular day-to-day basis. Uh, Of course, this isn't everyone but a good portion of the population does suffer from this. But there's also other things as well, such as mental health concerns that can impact a people's recovery uh, or getting off illicit street stuff. It's their housing and income support that might not be there. Um, so really, it's a comprehensive package that we need to have in place for this clientele to make sure that they're doing well. And they continue to live in, in uh, you know, not be using illicit substances off the streets.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And like you say, it's that spectrum. And, and you know, when you talk about getting the, the methadone or the suboxone or whatever the case may be, that's a safe supply, too. And that's part of the issue that we're dealing with. The supply of drugs on the street right now is just so toxic. I mean, obviously, it's straight up deadly.
1: Indeed. Absolutely. It's, it's right now, if you look at the Alberta surveillance data, almost 28 percent of people who are overdosing from opioids are overdosing from car fentanyl. This is this this is you know this is horse and sorry I should say elephant elephant yeah uh, opioids right so it it it's quite uh, it, it's quite deadly and quite potent and we definitely need to sort of displace that uh, um, that supply
0: yeah exactly and I mean I'm really glad that you, you came on and talked about that and talked about the spectrum and the approach uh, doc thanks so much for your time I appreciate you joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate
0: it. That is Dr. Monty gosh. And uh, yeah, I appreciate his perspective. And a lot of you on the text line too, uh, saying the same thing. Uh, this listener says, I love that we're talking about Suboxone now, but I think pain specialists are not consistent with the use of these drugs. I don't know. Uh, I know it's changed a lot when it comes to pain specialists and how we treat pain and, and those sorts of things. Uh, this listener says safe supply society needs to stop fighting this war, especially with arguments based on moral grounds. Um, And I think you're right. Um, I think you make a really, really good point in terms of it's politicized just like everything else in our society these days is politicized and unfortunately it's costing lives. Um, As we've talked about on the show and we've brought on the best um, experts that we can find, people who do this each and every day. It's not like we're stumbling around in the dark here, trying to come up with a way to treat this, a way to try and get a handle on this. Um, The fact of the matter is we know what can save lives. It's just having the political will to do it, having the guts to stand up and say, okay, I mean, this is what the experts. I mean, we've talked about it. We know what it is. It's a whole spectrum, right? Keep people alive, get them into treatment and support them. That's it's, it's a spectrum. You can't say we're going to supply more rehab beds. That's great. That's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Not being critical of the government, but that's just one piece, Right. Um, that's just one small aspect of the whole spectrum of handling this opioid epidemic and it won't work. I'm telling you now it won't work. Um, until you get a broader based approach where you're dealing with all of the issues that Dr. Gosh outlined for us, right? Keeping the people alive, a rehab bed is no good to somebody who's already died. Um, and that's what safe supply is about. That's what harm reduction is about. That's what the opiate uh, agonist treatments are for. I mean, to keep people alive, get their life stabilized. Then they seek recovery and bingo bango. They come back to being a, a you know, a, a healthy, productive member of society, but it's a process and it's a spectrum. And we just want to jump ahead and we, we don't want to do it because stigma, pure and simple. That's all it is. It, it's, it's, It's not politically acceptable. So we don't do it. And people die. We should be doing
1: better.